We're finishing our sermon series, Major in the Minors, as we've been looking at the minor prophets for several weeks now. Uh, we'll conclude with Malachi today and then on our, in our pastor's Bible study in the sanctuary every Wednesday night, uh, we will conclude with Nahum uh, this week. So I hope, I hope this has been a blessing to you. Uh, if you miss the minor prophets, you miss right about 20% of the books of the Bible. If you miss the minor prophets, you miss right at about 30% of the authors of Scripture. So all of God's Word is inspired, breathed by God, yes, and there's so much here for us to see. We've seen great themes of, of the love of God. We've seen that unlike the other faiths of, of any uh, uh, of that time, He's the God of hope. We've also seen the judgment of God, the discipline of God, the importance for the people of God to love well those who are on the margins and who need the care of God. We've seen the call to repentance. There's so much here in the minor prophets. But what I hope we've seen that's been key to our learning and our response is the heart of God. There is so much revealed here in the Minor Prophets about the character and the personality of the living God. If, if, if we've not been in these books, our view of God is going to be lopsided. It's going to be unfinished without the Minor Prophets. I love what one Christian author said. We'd know little, if we'd miss the Minor Prophets, we'd know little of the tender God, brokenhearted at the sight of a bedeviled people. Or the singing God delighted in us exactly at the moment where we feel our reproach the deepest. We would know little of the God who sees through our swagger, past our grime, in our, into our inmost places. We'd know less about the God who brings comfort to the lonely, the cold, the sick, and the lost. So I hope this has been a help as we've seen again the great love of God through the prophets, that's where we'll be today, as well as the holiness of God. You can't miss that. As Wesley would describe that love of God, he would speak of it as a, a perfect love, a holy love. And you see that in Malachi. He talks about fire in multiple places in this book. Refiner's fire, burning like a furnace, burn until there's nothing left. As we've said together for years, when Jesus came, John says to us in John chapter 1, verse 14, when he came, he came full of grace and truth. Full of grace, but also truth. I love that point, and I know I've shared it before in C.S. Lewis's book, Prince Caspian, when this young little girl sees Aslan for, it's been a while since she's seen her. She's back in Narnia. She sees this lion who represents Christ. He's the Christ figure in the books, and she sees him for the first time in a long time, and she says, oh, Aslan, you're bigger. I'm not bigger, little one. But you're bigger, no, you're older. And the older you're, you get, the bigger I need to become to see me in my fullness. And so here in Malachi, we see so many of these great things, uh, themes and reminders of who God is, full of love, full of holiness, full of power. So what does Malachi say to us today? Well, let's just do some background work. First, this is, as, as we've said through so many of these prophets, this is an oracle or a message from God to the people of God when they need it. But so often, when you see, it's just like God to give the person with the right name 
the right word at the right time. Uh, we've been studying when, it, when, when there were issues over the temple. He, he, gave them, he gave them Haggai, which his name means feast and festivals. And here at, at Malachi, his name gives us a helpful word. My wife grew up, was born and raised in Brazil. And so, so she can't wait for the coming World Cup. And I remember recently we had watched the Women's World Cup a few years ago. And as we were watching it, they named a substitute who was coming on late in the game. And that, that, girl, that woman scored a goal. But when they gave her name, Sarah kind of smirked and laughed. And I said, well, why, are you, why are you laughing at that, that Portuguese name? Well, she's very small, and that's what her name means. It's not her real name. It's a, a name they've given her. I said, oh, okay. The next goal was scored by Formiga. Is that how you pronounce it? And so again, I turned to her and said, okay, what does Formiga mean? And she says, fire ant. And the way Formiga played, that was right. And then the next goal was scored by probably the best woman soccer player in the last 15 years, Marta. And I turned to Sarah and I said, what does Marta mean? And she says, it means Martha. So, <laughs> USA, USA. <laughs> Malachi means... Who's this one who's been called to give this oracle, this message of God? That's what his name means. His name means message. The message of God to be shared by one who means, whose name means messenger. But we talked about this in Bible study. I don't remember if I've shared it in sermon. That may not be the best interpretation of that word. The word we see in, in other translations a lot is burden. And so when you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, you ought to read it like this. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel through the one named burden. This is the last message. This is the last word in the Old Testament, and it's a burden. Now listen, it, it's not just saying these words. If you read Malachi well, it really is anticipating what's coming, what, what God's going to do. Uh, be due to sin, how he's going to heal it, how, he, how he's going to be our healing, certainly. But here is this burden, this one who's burdened with this word to share with these people. And we really don't know much more other than that. But he shares what ought to be shared. And then after he shares it, nothing. One century, two centuries, three, four hundred years. After this word, there is nothing, no prophetic word. This God who has opened the seas, this God who has filled his temple, this God who has revealed himself on tablets through fire and cloud, who has audibly spoken to the people, who's raised up messengers to share his word, goes silent. And they get nothing for centuries. We just, we just don't get their shock in that. For this God has been so clear, he's walked and talked with Adam since the beginning all the way up to Malachi, and now it stops. Some of us have had those heartbreaking experiences with a child, with a friend, with an extended family member, and it just stops. But this one, this someone who has always been a revealer who was always shared with his people in good times and bad, and it stops. The burden through the burden bearer, and that's going to be it. It's a pause until John the Baptist and 
Jesus. And then lastly, this, it's, it's the last book. If we're doing some background study, you've got to remember they've come back and, and from exile. The, the temple's been rebuilt. God's been faithful. He's brought them back. And, and, and now we get to this moment, and you read, and I'll let you read the, all of Malachi. Read those chapters this afternoon. And you just keep score. It's not good. Their greed, their, their marital infidelity uh, they're robbing God as, as Malachi says by not giving him all that they ought to just the hypocrisy in the people of God this sad word of being puffed up the arrogance of the people of God again as we shared last week they're withholding justice to people who are on the margins they've received grace but they can't give grace they're shooting questions you're going to see it right here in verse 2 just from the get-go, when God says this wonderful word, they're immediately just peppering God with questions. Really, in some sense, sarcastic questions. So it's no wonder when you get to chapter 2, verse 2, when it says they stopped listening, it's no wonder that God then stopped talking. That's where we are. But it, it's, it's actually worse than that. If you read Malachi, it's worse than that. There's apathy in the people of God. They're lax and they're loose. They're just kind of going through the motions. You see how our passage closes in, in verse 5, and then you can also drop down to verse 11. The Lord be magnified. His name will be great. And the people of God, eh, Wild disobedience, yes, but also just going through the motions. And so God's silent. He's silent for centuries. And then the word, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's where we are in Malachi. Let's look at one more theme as we finish this series together. And I, I just want to cover the heart of the book. There's so much here we could look at, but what's the last word? This really is the transition to that time where God stopped speaking and we're waiting on the New Testament. What's this last word? What's the last thing we get? You know, wills, and this, this, is, this is some tough things I'll share here, but wills in many ways can be a person's last word. I looked up a few this week. Anthony Scott, in his last will and testament, wrote this. To my first wife, Sue, who I always promised to mention in my will. Hello, Sue. <laughs> wow. In 1862, there was a, and I don't know if this was adjusted, maybe not. A, a man to his sons gave them 500000 apiece if they won't shave their mustache. That's it. That's my last word to you. Not your character, your families, or my prayers. Don't shave. And then heartbreak. Sarah Clark directed in her will, to my daughter I leave one dollar for the kindness and love she has never shown me. That's how you would think Malachi might end. It paints a dark picture not just they're disobedient, but as people who've been greatly blessed, the temple's rebuilt, and you're just kind of jumping through a few hoops when you can get to it. You would think that the last word would be a 
a hard word. You think the last word would be, that's it. Especially because, again, of their emptiness. Or as one commentary said this week, when the people show up to worship, and, and clergy too, he's, this commentator said it in both sections, the people of God, but also that section about the priests, it's like they're, they think they're doing God a favor by showing up. You think it would be a, a hard word. And look, it is a hard word. Do you know what the last word of the Old Testament is? I don't know why I've always had this in my mind. I don't know if it's when I was young and it was the first time I read it, it just stayed with me, or if it was Bible trivia, the last word is curse. It's cursed. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse because they are basically due judgment. They are due a curse. But that's not really the last words. What I want us to look at this morning is really the bookends to the minor prophets. We started in Hosea, we're closing with Malachi, and what do we see? Yes, in between there's so much failure. Yes, in between there's right judgment and right calls for repentance. But what we see constantly is the heart of God, the love of God. God in Hosea, who actually says to his people, and you see some of it here in chapter 2, but he says to his people, I want to be husband to you where he uses this word over and over again, his great compassion for us, which means again that God himself has moved in his belly over the brokenness of his people. That's the theme we see, the bookends of the minor prophets. G. Campbell Morgan in his commentary says this of our chapter, chapter 1, verse 2. This is the real burden of prophecy. Everything that follows is to be viewed in the light thereof. It reveals the perpetual attitude of God, and it is the wail, the crying of wounded love. And oh, the music of it. It's love. No wonder John Wesley would say in his sermons about Christian perfection, the highest gift is love. Now again, as we've said, yes, love always expresses itself in, in holy ways. I'm reading Kevin Watson's book. I'd, I'd encourage you to read that on perfect love that came out last week. He says, as Wesley would say, that's the grand, the grand gift of Methodism to the world, is that as Lori sang this morning, not only can God save us in Jesus Christ for someday, but he can do an inside-out work right now. He can do a work in our hearts now that I can love like he, I can love him as I ought to love him, and I can love you, and you can love me as we ought to love one another. Love always is perfect, and love always is holy. But look at the love of God here. Verse 2, just right out of the gate in Malachi. Oh, how I have loved you. And they immediately and cynically ask, how? Come on, how have you loved us? Hosea talks of the love of God, that I want to be husband to you. I actually did a, a wedding one time where the husband had a, uh, an emergency, he had appendicitis, had emergency surgery the night of the rehearsal dinner. And the preacher joke immediately came to mind. I mean, I felt bad for the guy, but I'm like, used to be you had to pull teeth to get men to commit. Now you got to pull an organ. You know, that's, that's what sadly came to my mind. 
What you see in Hosea is the love of God, the compassion of God, and in this other bookend of the Minor Prophets, it's Malachi. In spite of what they have done, in spite of their cynicism and sarcasm, their empty ritualism, just going through the motions, as well as their willful, willful disobedience, if you will turn, it's my love for you. How is it you and I need to respond to this word? Maybe it's for some of us in this room, we still just don't believe that. We know God has to save us if we call upon his name. We repent of our sins. We believe in his cross and resurrection that, that he has to do that. But does he really want to do that for you? I mean, look at your life. Could he love you? Maybe you need to press through your feelings this morning and hear the truth of the very word of God, the burden of God through the one who shares that burden. Oh, how I have loved you. If you and I won't receive that, we're not going to give it well. If you and I are anxious about that or second-guessing about that, there won't be a vibrancy to our faith until we just rest and that we know that we're loved by God. I was at the MRA game, football game Friday night, and we had just walked in, and one of the children came up to me, just excited, said, Brother Barry, Brother Barry, who are you pulling for tonight? I don't know anybody at Park Lane Academy. That's far away. And he, here he is wearing an MRA shirt. I was one of, one of our kids. And I said, well, you know, I'm pulling for MRA tonight. How about you? He said, me too. Fist bump. I'm out, you know. <laughs> you believe he's pulling for you? I mean, we're going to see it in the coming Christ. He talks about the sending of the, the refining fire. The modern prophets don't give us a whole lot about the coming Christ, but they do. There are some beautiful pictures of who Jesus is and what he will gift uh, to us. He's for you. I pray you rest in that. Or maybe, maybe as, as you look at their lives here in this day, yeah, I'll, I'll do this right thing, I'll do that right thing, but then you watch their lives and they're, they're actually bringing offerings to God for sacrifice that they know have blemishes on them. They're just not bringing their best. They're not bringing what's required. We know that they're not bringing the full tithe to God, and so there's that talk of, of robbing God. Maybe you and I need to, as the minor prophets say, it's not just full obedience. Yes, full obedience. You're going to see that in chapter 4. Maybe that's the right response. Lord, whatever you've said, I'm going to dot every I and cross every T. I look at my life, and I need to be real with you about that. There was there's a child who was worshiping this morning who came to sit with me a couple of weeks ago. I told our pastor's Bible study this. And uh, I was sitting with the potters, and all of a sudden she just came, sat down with us, and I just said, well, hey, how are you doing? And she looked at me and said, I wasn't very nice to a friend today at school. <laughs> I mean, just seeing the preacher guy, I guess. I mean, just the shame. She just had to confess. And I said, well, look, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow you can do a wonderful thing, you know, and the Lord's going to bless that, you know. You're not going to be the same as you were yesterday. But it's just immediately we bump into this word, and maybe the response is obedience. The Lord, I haven't done what you've called me to do. And we just see it just peppered throughout this, this word of people who are missing the mark. Lord, I don't want to miss any mark. But it's deeper than that, as we've seen in the prophets. And it's in the prophets you really see this put on display. I, I, I do want a right life. You can't miss that. You and I 
are to live a right life before God. But I, I even want more than that. Or as Kevin Watson says in his book, I just, I could sense in his word and as I read Wesley, there's something more. It's your heart. It's what he wants from these people. That's what they're withholding. Yes, it plays out in their life, but, but they haven't, as, as, as Lori even uh, sang this morning, I just, I just give him control. I want to give him control. I want him to have all of my affections, all of my life, whatever that may be. How is it you and I need to hear that word? And then lastly, as we close, and, and I'm borrowing here, and maybe I'm stretching too much, but if you go to chapter, uh, verse 5 in our text, but also dropping down again uh, to verse 11, we get these reminders uh, from Malachi um, about making the Lord's name great, that he will be uh, lifted up, that it will be his name that will go uh, beyond the borders. Uh, his name will be lifted up. And that's, that's my heart as we come to Commitment Sunday. Yes, we fulfill vows and we be obedient to that, but we're coming with our whole heart. But also, I want my gifts. I want my talents. I want my time. I want that to be wrapped up in his glory. And you and I get to be a part of that. You and I in our, in our giving, you and I in our serving, uh, you and I in our witness, you and I get to be a part of that. That you and I, having, as we've already heard sung for us this morning, and as the hymn writer has sung for us, the burden of my heart rolled away, right? Or as another hymn writer would talk about uh, uh, how our Lord gladly bared our burdens, bearing Jesus bled and died uh, to take away my sin. How is it you and I can exist so that in verse 5 the Lord would be magnified beyond the border of Israel? Verse 11, that his name would be great among the nations. I like how one commentary says that we look to the prophet so often for future things. Tell me what's going to happen then. And we're waiting for the coming day of the Lord when we'll be re reunited with the Lord and he will make all things right. But I like how one commentator said it. In the meantime, he says, get to the work he has left for you to do. The true way to, the, the true way to wait for the coming of the Lord someday is to fill up the little while of waiting with evangelism, with sharing, with giving, with serving, so that his name might be made great. How is it you and I will do that? That his name will go beyond the borders of our walls. Listen, I, I understand as we've made announcements this week, this can be an anxious season for our church in this season of discernment. But what we're going to be trusting in is the love of God for us. What we're going to be trusting in is the love of God that we've had for one another. But also as I watch what's happening in student ministry, kids ministry, what's happening in these steps of faith by our church to serve in so many new ways is that the love of God is in you and you are committed to taking the love of God beyond the walls of this church. How is it this year together? How is it this year you and I with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness having received the love of God will be that to one another and to share that with the world. How is it you and I need to 
to just rest in the love of God. If you've not done that, just rest in the truth of that word. How is it you and I uh, need, to, need to be real with God and say, Lord, have it. Have my heart. And I've just seen that throughout the prophets. Have my heart have control. How is it you and I need to recommit again uh, to making his name great? Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for this word, a word to a people struggling, a word to a people who are stumbling, and yet you remind them yet again of who you are and of your love for them. Father, however we need to respond to this, your word. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit was, would help us to do that. We thank you for your call upon our lives to serve you, uh, to make your name great as a church family and also as, as we serve you as disciples out in the world. That's our prayer. Whatever commitment is made, that it would bring you glory, that it would lift up the one who took our burdens to save us and to sanctify us. Thank you for this word. Bless now our response to it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.